Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 51 of Minds Over Money. I'm your host, Cameron Brady, and on this week's episode, I'm covering three headlines from last week that directly impact the economy, as well as having potential implications on your own investment portfolios. And those headlines are, with inflation not letting up, shoppers cut back on staples, you need two-factor authentication, but some types are safer than others, and 401k savings plans get a boost in bipartisan retirement bill. In addition to those headlines, I'm also covering another financial planning topic, and this week, it's you have questions, we have answers. So sit back, grab a cup of coffee, and enjoy. This week's first headline is, with inflation not letting up, shoppers cut back on staples. Consumers are buying detergent and diapers in smaller quantities and switching to store brands. Household staples are no longer immune to inflation. American consumers are starting to cut costs on mainstays from toothpaste to baby formula as inflation hits a swath of the economy that had thus far proven resistant to substantial price increases. Procter & Gamble, Clorox, and Kraft, among other consumer products giants, have made a bet that consumers will pay up for household products even as inflation takes hold. Over the past year, the companies have seen profits and market share grow as they have raised prices on products from detergent and diapers to snacks and soda. Now, consumers hit by soaring costs for everything from gasoline to childcare are drawing a line. Shoppers are buying staples in smaller quantities, switching to cheaper store brand names, and more rigorously hunting for deals. The shift is especially pronounced among lower income consumers who splurged on household products amid the height of the pandemic. Private label brands, after two years in which they lost market share to brand names, have begun to lure back buyers. In the three-week period ended March 20th, edible private label brands increased share slightly and non-edible store brands held steady, according to data from research firm IRI. The most recently available data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics showed that the annual inflation rate had risen to 7.9% a four-decade high, with oil and commodity market disruptions from the Ukraine crisis expected to add more cost pressures. Grocery industry executives say consumers are becoming more sensitive to price. They are switching to store brands for some products and increasingly trading down to cheaper items such as ground beef instead of steak. Part of that shift is because private label options are more available now than during the height of the pandemic, when high demand and supply chain problems led manufacturers to shift products away from store brands in favor of pricier name brands. But consumer demand for cheaper items is also a factor. Another telling sign, sales volumes have begun to fall in a number of categories, meaning people are buying mainstays in smaller quantities. Before and during the height of the pandemic, sales volumes of staples increased even as prices rose. On February 22nd, volume sales of cereal were down 7.2% on a two-year compound basis. Cleaning product volume sales fell 5.1% in that same period. Prices for those products rose 9.5% and 7.2% respectively for those categories. Cost-cutting on staples is most pronounced among lower-income Americans. In part, that is because income groups that typically buy lower-priced household goods switched to pricier brands amid the pandemic as homebound consumers spent less on travel, dining out, and other perks. Now, budget-conscious consumers are returning to discount brands. P&G, for instance, has reported gains in both pricing and volume sales since the start of 2019, meaning consumers bought greater quantities of items at higher prices. 
the Cincinnati-based maker of Tide detergent and Pampers cut discounts and shifted to higher-end products in an effort to boost revenue. Consumers were willing to pay more, a trend that accelerated during the pandemic when high demand led to product shortages of mainstays from paper towels to soap. P&G executives say they are prepared for a downturn in consumer spending, but have told Wall Street they believe consumers will continue to covet items like Tide laundry detergent pods, Gillette razors, and Pampers diapers, which often are the priciest option on store shelves. As inflationary effects start taking their hold on consumers' buying habits, look for a reduced trend in purchasing quantity as well as quality, a shift away from the pandemic luxuries to more private label necessities. This week's second headline is you need two-factor authentication, but some types are safer than others. Security keys offer the highest level of protection, while authentication apps are more widely supported. Avoid text message codes if you can. We all know Woody, our Aussie Doodle Chief Security Officer here at Michael Brady & Company, recommends using two-factor authentication for cybersecurity, but not all forms of 2FA are created equal. Cybercrime is way up and a strong password isn't enough to protect your money, your work, and your family. To protect your accounts from increasingly active evildoers, you need a second factor. More and more internet accounts offer two-factor authentication, which generally entails a code input after typing in your password. Requiring that second factor is like having a door with multiple locks. If a burglar gets hold of one key, there's still another deadbolt sealing the door. There are different types of two-factor authentication, and each comes with its own security convenience trade-offs. Here's a guide to different options and what you need to know to protect your digital life. Use unique passwords. Before activating two-factor authentication, take a look at your passwords. How often do you reuse them? Criminals commonly take usernames and passwords leaked from one breach and try the credentials at other sites. Use a password manager to generate and remember long, unique passwords for each of your accounts. If you use a lot of online services, changing all of the credentials can be a tedious, time-consuming task, but it's worth it, especially if your old passwords have already been exposed in a breach. Woody recommends using LastPass as a safe online password manager. Once your passwords are strengthened, turn on two-factor. Not all services support it, and ones that do may bury it in settings, usually under sections labeled account or security. Once you find it, assess your options. Some services allow you to choose from various types of authentication and even add multiple as backups. Security keys, the most protection. Security keys are one form of two-factor authentication. They're little dongles, often USB sticks, that hang from your keychain or plug into your computer. You can use them to authenticate many popular sites, such as Google, Facebook, and most password managers. A typical laptop-based flow looks like this. Go to a website or app, type in your username and password, then, when prompted, insert your key into the computer's port. Touching the key's gold tip or disk triggers the authentication. For a smartphone or tablet, you can get keys with wireless alternatives, such as near-field communication or NFC, so you don't even have to insert the key. Security keys are the most secure factor you can use to protect your account. To log in, a hacker would need both the password and physical access to the security key, rather than remote access to a string of numbers. If you're at a higher risk, perhaps you're an executive, an administrator who manages sensitive data, a social media influencer, or high net worth individual, consider setting up a security key for accounts that support it. 
authentication apps free and convenient. While many sites support two-factor authentication, not all accept security keys, including PayPal and Amazon. For the rest of your accounts, use an authentication app which generates time-based login codes. They work even without an internet connection, and as I'll explain, they're safer than getting codes via text message. You can set up a single authentication app for multiple accounts and services. Add extra protection by requiring a fingerprint or face ID to access the app, and turn off Allow Multi-Device to prevent attackers from enrolling unauthorized devices using a hacked mobile number. Just make sure you only input the code when your service requests it and that you don't accidentally give it to a malicious website. If you get an email or text message asking to log into a service you use, don't click on the link inside the message. Instead, go to the website or app you normally visit and log in directly. Some app-based authentication involves push alerts. In rare cases, hackers can employ an attack that triggers multiple notifications, hoping a user accidentally taps allow on one of them, so always read them before you tap. Text message codes used with caution. One of the most familiar approaches to two-factor authentication is the code sent via text message. For most people, any extra authentication beats a username and password. Still, you need to know this method's vulnerability. SIM swapping is where criminals steal a victim's phone number by duping the carrier into porting the number to a new account. These kinds of attacks are on the rise, according to the FBI, but, are generally, but they are generally targeted attacks where hackers know who they are after and what they can steal. Prime targets include people with fat bank accounts or crypto wallets. It's best to avoid using SMS-based two-factor authentication if you can. For some services, however, it's the only option. To protect your phone number, log into your carrier account and review the security options. Some will even allow you to add a passcode, which is required if anyone attempts to port the number. Whatever you choose, make sure your accounts are protected by more than a bad, recycled password. With almost every aspect of our lives on the internet, it is more important than ever that our cyber hygiene is well protected. Always be suspicious of fishy emails and other scams, but in order to do everything you can to stay safe online, make sure you use a password keeper, use unique passwords and don't reuse them, and make sure you add two-factor authentication where you can. This week's third headline is 401k savings plans get a boost in bipartisan retirement bill. Workers could save more and delay withdrawals under measure passed by the House. Americans could stash more in their 401ks and sit on their nest eggs longer under a House bill that aims to boost individual retirement savings. The bill, passed last Tuesday by a vote of 415 to 5, raises contribution limits for older workers and lets companies offer employees a small cash bonus just for signing up for the retirement plan. The bipartisan measure, which some are referring to as Secure Act 2.0, would build on retirement policy changes enacted in 2019 that, among other things, raised the age people were required to start withdrawing money from retirement accounts to 72 from 70 and a half. If passed by the Senate and signed into law, the bill would raise the age again over the next decade to 75. Senators are likely to consider changes to the House bill, and they could then add it to a larger piece of legislation later this year. For aging people with healthy bodies and healthy bank accounts, the plan would provide significant advantages. So here's what the bill proposes to do. 
The legislation would gradually increase the age at which savers must start taking withdrawals from 401k type accounts and traditional individual retirement accounts to 73 next year, rising to 74 in 2030 and 75 in 2033. Currently, people who save in those accounts must begin withdrawing money and paying any taxes due on it at age 72. These required withdrawals can be a source of frustration for taxpayers who are still working or are trying to make their savings last in retirement. While the law, if enacted, would help people who can afford to leave their money untouched, it could expose them to higher tax bills in future years. When required distributions kick in, they would be withdrawing more money annually over a smaller period of time. The bill would allow older workers to make bigger contributions. People 50 and older can contribute an extra $6,500 a year to 401k-style retirement accounts for a total this year of $27,000. The legislation would raise that to $10,000 a year starting in 2024 for people ages 62, 63, and 64. The bill would require catch-up contributions to be made after taxes. Under the legislation, starting in 2024, the extra $1,000 people 50 and older can contribute annually to an IRA would rise to account for inflation. The bill would generate about $36 billion, according to congressional estimates, to help pay for itself in the next decade, in part by requiring workers ages 50 and older to make extra contributions to 401k-style plans starting in 2023 to do so through Roth accounts. These require people to contribute after-tax money, foregoing the tax deductions they would get with traditional 401ks. It would also allow employers to give employees the option of channeling matching contributions into a Roth account. Those changes aren't really tax increases that cover the cost of tax cuts. Instead, the Roth-style accounts just give the government money sooner during the congressional budgeting window at the expense of future revenue beyond the next decade. Other measures are intended to spur retirement savings among part-time workers, 401k participants with student loans, and savers with low to moderate incomes. A measure would make automatic enrollment in retirement savings, which advocates say has been shown to boost participation rates for minorities. Mandatory starting in 2024 for newly created 401k and 403b plans. It would exempt employers with 10 or fewer workers and those in business for less than three years. Employees automatically enrolled in retirement savings would be able to opt out. It would allow plan sponsors to offer small, immediate financial incentives, such as cash or gift cards, to participants for signing up. It would also permit employers, starting in 2023, to make matching contributions to the 401k-style accounts of employees paying off student loans who don't contribute enough to the 401k plan to receive a full match. The bill would seek to encourage people with low and moderate incomes to save in retirement accounts by raising the saver's credit, a match of sorts from Uncle Sam that is often underused. Starting in 2027, the credit would rise to 50% on contributions of up to $2,000 a year, up from a current tiered structure of 10 to 50% that varies with income. Another provision would require employers, starting in 2023, to allow part-time employees who work at least 500 hours to participate in 401k plans after two years on the job, down from three years now. The bill would also require the Labor Department to create an online database through which individuals could search for lost retirement accounts. As Americans change jobs, they are leaving more 401k-style accounts and pension benefits with former employees, and some lose track of that money. 
With potential changes coming to retirement plan regulations, it's a good idea to research how some of these changes may affect your retirement plan or date. The major changes will be at what age required distributions start and how the catch-up provisions after age 50 will be taxed. Adding a tax-free bucket in a Roth account is always good planning to add flexibility when it comes to the taxation of your retirement income. We'll make sure we stay up to date on these proposed changes and how they may change your retirement plans. This week's financial planning topic is you have questions, we have answers. We are retirement income and IRA distribution experts. We've been providing answers to retirees and pre-retirees for over four decades. As America's baby boom generation continues to age, the number of questions seem to grow. Over two and a half million people will turn age 72 this year. That means they will need to begin taking required minimum distributions from retirement accounts and pay some tax on assets that have been tax deferred for many years. Many folks have questions about the amount of distribution that needs to be withdrawn, the amount of tax to be paid, the timing of the distribution, and the mechanics of taking that distribution. 10,000 of those baby boomers are retiring every day in America. They have questions about how to turn their retirement nest egg into a lifetime income stream that they cannot outlive and that can grow so as to keep pace with an ever-rising cost of living. The average couple retiring today has a 70% chance of one of them reaching age 90. For many couples, their main concern is how to generate an ever-growing income stream to last a 25-plus year lifespan. They have concerns about living too long, running out of money, rising healthcare costs, rising interest rates, and an unpredictable downswing in the equity markets. How should they proceed and where can they get unbiased expert advice without high-pressure sales tactics? Who can they trust with their life savings in this most vulnerable time in their lives? We are fee-only, full-time fiduciary, certified financial planner professionals. We believe in placing your best interests first. We are proud to commit to the following five fiduciary principles. We will always put your interests first. We will act with prudence, that is, with the skill, care, diligence, and good judgment of a professional. We will not mislead you, and we will provide conspicuous, full, and fair disclosure of all important facts. We will avoid conflicts of interest, and we will fully disclose and fairly manage in your favor any unavoidable conflicts. We have worked with hundreds of families to provide unbiased expert advice for over 40 years. We gather data, analyze, and provide you recommendations to meet your family's future goals and objectives. We educate, simplify, and consolidate to make your future goals a reality. If you and your life savings are being ignored or feeling taken advantage of, come join our family. We are a family-owned financial planning and investment advisory firm who promise to treat you like family. No products, no hard sell, no gimmicks, just honest advice based on our four decades of experience. If you have any questions on this week's episode or are interested in getting an unbiased opinion on your finances, please give us a call at 440-235-2100 or email me at cameron at michaelbradyco.com. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed. Mm -hmm.